Greetings, 7-Second Delay fans. Tonight, part four in our series of six 7-Second Delay listeners interviewing Andy Breckman Man and myself. Tonight, we bring you interviews conducted by Noel Mitchell and Zach Bale, beginning with Noel. So, uh, Noel, take it this away. This is it. This is it, guys. Uh-oh. Don't 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 screw this up. We're recording. <laughs> We're <laughs> nerves, 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 nerves. Huh? No, no, yeah, no. You're doing great. No, no. This is great because cool. we spoke we spoke earlier, and now I feel like uh, you're an old friend. Uh, this is very familiar. Well, well, well. Good. I'll be glad to cook you some fried chicken anytime. Uh, uh, come to North Carolina, and uh, I'll hook you right up. <laughs> Have you, you know what? There I, might be a lot of barbecue. Have you lived in North Carolina your whole life? Yep, yep, every bit of it. Same time, same time. Yep. Wait, if you lived in North Carolina, your if you lived there your whole life, how come you don't have an accent? Uh, he he does. I don't have an accent. He he does have an accent. <laughs> oh, he does. When I was little. Oh, okay. When I when I was little, I had an accent like y'all's because I learned how to talk from Sesame Street. So my mama put me down in the playpen because I was born about the same time Sesame Street was born, and I. I they both work, and so I watched that, and I learned how to talk from Sesame Street. I sounded like Mr. Hooper and Big Bird <laughs> until I well, that, got into school, and then that's, of course I started wow. like a well, My wife, my <laughs> wife is uh, my wife was uh, born and raised in Memphis, and uh, when she gets angry at me, which is pretty much on the hour, you can set your your watch to it. Uh, when she gets <laughs> angry at me. Um, her accent, uh, her southern accent, just kicks right back in. Oh, I gotta hear that. <laughs> yeah. Next time, next time she calls. I'll tell you what. Yeah, next time she calls into the show, I'm gonna ask her to yell at you a little bit. Oh, she'd be happy to do it. Or you could just come around, can and just hang out in the backyard. Okay. Uh, you know, if in the summer when the windows are open, you can hear it perfectly. Great. <laughs> she would say, "God uh, dang it, Andy, get your that, oh, yeah. your heist." That's pretty much. <laughs> yes, that's indeed. pretty much it. Now, you know what you should never uh, yeah. do, guys? You know what you can never do? Now, are you a married man, uh, Noel? No, uh-uh. Never have taken that step. No, no. Not enough money. Okay. Not enough money. Okay. But we know how old you are because you were born about the same time Sesame Street uh, was was launched. Yep, yep. Actually, 42069 is my birthday. Oh, okay. So, then, yeah. uh, hey, you know what you should never do when you're arguing with your wife, Ken? And I learned this from experience. What's that? Never, ever, mid-argument, uh-huh. glance, glance at the calendar. <laughs> is it okay to glance at your wristwatch? No. Uh, well, that's not as bad. But glancing at the calendar is like you're saying... It's like you're saying, is this is this argument for real or is this her menstrual cycle? Oh, That's I see what, where you're getting at. Jeez. Never, never do that. That's a little tip from your Uncle Andy. Okay. Good good yeah. tip. You know what I do? I always that's why that's why I put a big mirror up in, in our kitchen. Uh-huh. So I can look in the mirror and see the calendar. Nice. Uh, and she'll ne- she never knows. Yeah, good trick. <laughs> <laughs> little little yeah. trick, little, little trick from your uncle. But no, yeah, I will have to say, you know, we did speak earlier. Uh, we had some audio problems, so we're uh, we're doing this again. And but there's something you said uh, when we spoke earlier that has haunted me uh, since Uh-oh. you said it. Uh, and that yeah. is that you're a professor. Wait, where? What? What uh, campus are you on? What college? It's uh, Chowan University in Murfreesboro, North Carolina. Have you ever heard of okay. such a little place? I have not heard of that school, but that doesn't mean anything. I'm, I've not heard of 
most schools. You know Chapel Hill? You've heard of Chapel Hill? Uh, oh, well, never, yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. I've, ne- I, no, I've never heard of that either. So, <laughs> and, and, and that's a very famous school. Um, yeah. But, uh, but uh, you mentioned the last time we spoke that, it, it, that it's your observation that kids, mm-hmm. students, are not laughing as much as they used to laugh. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's true. Uh, I, in in class, uh, you know, I, I try to be, you know, a, an amateur comedian as much as I can, and it used to work fairly well when I was teaching grad school at East Carolina. Well, when I was in grad school teaching freshmen, I should say, uh, it was, you know, totally easy to make them laugh. I'd just act stupid, and they'd laugh. You know, I, you know, I'd get a, you know, a little chuckle or something like that, and I'd go, uh, 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 or something like that. And, and when I started at Showon 15 years ago, it still, that would work. Uh, but nowadays, I, it's, I can't make them laugh in class. It's very rare that I do. I can show them really silly stuff like, like old Beavis and Buttheads and Sanford and Son, and they just they just don't laugh, even in the cafeteria. I actually noticed it yesterday. There was one group sitting over there, and it was, it was the chaplain, actually. Well, the student chaplain and his girlfriend, and they laughed. And I and it, 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 I noticed it because nobody else in the cafeteria was laughing, and it used to be just and that's what everybody was doing at every table. You could hardly hear yourself think because everybody was in there laughing and carrying on and giggling and having a good time. And uh, yeah, it, it really is. That is that is it is more than disturbing. It's heartbreaking. It's a it's it's like we're losing a generation. They they're scared to uh, they're scared to laugh because it might be. Uh, inappropriate to laugh at something, I guess, right? Yeah. Just... Yeah. Well, well, you shed a lot of light on it the other day when you pointed out that it's like laughter is a sign of acceptance. And I, I hadn't really thought about that, but but I get or approval, approval. That's what you said. Yeah. And so, like, they're trying not to approve of this stuff, I suppose, trying not to, yeah, kind of like they feel like, like they're guilty if they laugh or something, you know? Uh, oh, that's just hard. Well, that's, well, you know what I, you know oh. who I blame for that? You know who I blame for that? The world. I, 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 I blame I, the whole world. Indeed. Yeah, it's the well, damn that, world. Well, that's what a satirist is supposed to blame, is the world, you know? Because, I mean, you know, you can't just really point your finger at one person. It's, it's human nature, you know? And we've all kind of let ourselves get into this place. And, you know, yeah, it, it's everybody's fault. You, you can't blame just one person. And uh, yeah. so I'm, I'm trying to work out the best way I can. I'm trying, I'm doing everything I can to try to make them feel more comfortable with things, I suppose. But, you know, you know, what can you really do? I suppose. No, uh, I guess but, you can't, yeah. you can't, you can't um, promote your class. Uh, you, when you promote your class, you can't say, uh, you can't kind of warn people that uh, you're going to hear ideas that are going to be, you might find offensive. You're going to hear, uh, jokes you might find offensive in this class, uh, but this is a this is a, an offensive free zone. Uh, we're gonna, you know, this mm-hmm. is a, a free speech. Uh, we're gonna celebrate uh, outrageous ideas uh, in this classroom. You can't advertise that and kind of filter kids out uh, before the class. Well, there was one. Um, we, we actually were doing this, this strange little kind of class. It's kind of what freshman seminar evolved into and then evolved away from, where we all kind of got to do what we wanted to do. And I taught a class in, in satire, and I did kind of have a you know a little disclaimer like that. You know, this class is going to involve you know uh, this and that. You know, and yeah, and uh, and, and uh, you know, I think it worked a little bit for that, but 
but yeah, yeah. You mean, we you mean trigger? You had you mean tri- trigger warnings? Yeah. <laughs> yes, trigger warnings. Yes, my goodness. Yeah, that's what they're calling them. Uh, yeah, I told them. You know, this is going to involve you know things like Scythe Park, like the Boondocks, uh, you know, adult things you know and of course i can't be too forward because the school is is it's a baptist associated school um they're, they're they don't really push it real hard or anything like that but they kind of do try to maintain this baptist image uh so they you know right. they hate for anybody to go too far you know with that kind of promotion uh but uh it, it, it's weird like if they know you then they can they can they, they know who you are already. But I only teach freshmen though, so you know they don't they they never have a chance to get to know me on campus before they decide to sign up for my class or somebody else's. And so yeah, it kind of that is. <laughs> but so man, if I was there, I'd sit at the chaplain's seat. I would laugh with the chaplain. <laughs> well, I think I am. I'll go over there and laugh with That's where you go. Was in my class. Ken, yeah, Ken, yeah, you know what a good Ken, you know what we should do in a future show? What? We should take an old show of ours, almost at random, just take an old show of ours from like four years ago, and then clean it up, edit it, make it safe, make it safe for today's audience. Rephrase, rephrase things. Go in and uh, you know omit jokes, and edit out jokes. We yeah yeah, I, I've had to do that for well, a, num- a number of songs. I've had to completely re-edit some songs. Uh, you have yeah. Wait, but wait, what kind of? Wait, what kind of transgressions were there in the songs? What did you have to edit out? Well, there's a song that I used to play called Dr. Booty Grabber. Uh, yeah. You know that well, song. Well, you know, booty, well, you know, booty means uh, t- uh, ass, tush, you know, oh, right? Oh, God. Oh, you know God. That? I didn't so there's, realize there's, that. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I oh, mean, I thought it was like a bank robber. Oh, <laughs> my God. Every, <laughs> everything makes sense okay. now. No one could expect anyone to read. No, was... no, no. It's no. It's a guy's. It's a woman's rear end. It's right. He was grabbing. He was no grabbing her butt. I didn't realize what was going on. Who could? Ah. Who could? Who could be expected to resist? Oh it's what God. illegally. It's what lawyers call a uh, an irresistible. Uh, 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 Wait, wait, there is a legal term. For Irresistible it. nuisance or something? Like yeah, that? And, yeah, no, an attractive nuisance. An attractive nuisance, what. right. Yeah, you see a, you see a woman's butt. Uh, come on, come on. There's no jury in the world would convict you. Well, especially if your name is Dr. Booty Grabber. I completely yeah. misunderstood. Well, yeah, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, uh, at some point the woman must have known <laughs> to avoid Dr. G- <laughs> Booty Grabber. <laughs> It's like, the, the, woman, the woman had ample warning. Uh, his license plate said his license plate said booty grabber. His business card said booty grabber. Mm-hmm. Reminds yeah, me of her, un, her. Un, unfrozen caveman lawyer. Remember with Phil Hartman? Yeah, sure. <laughs> that was a great SNL skit. Well, sure, Jack. Yeah, hey, I remember that. Wrote, Jack Handy wrote those. Oh, really? Oh, those oh were, yeah. Those were great ones. As soon as Jack Handy dies, I'm going to take credit for those. <laughs> what was it? Mellow moments with Jack. It was something like that. Something. Well, he used he used to do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. I mean, before before Twitter, uh, they were uh, they were the gold standard, and they still are. I would say they're still the funniest, the funniest short little one liners. Oh yeah. Oh wow. But yeah, that's a good idea for a show. It, it would be kind of like that off. 
what was it, Stan Freeberg and Dawes Butler that did that uh, elderly man river thing. It would be kind of like that, you know. Oh, we can't say old anymore. You know, we got to say elderly man river and all that kind of stuff, you know. You know what? If I was writing a play, if I was writing a play, I would write a two-act play. The first act would be as wildly offensive as anything you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) And the the second act would be the same play after after the old uh, woke police got hold of it. You know, completely rewritten. That would be a good evening at the. That'd be a good evening at the theater. Should, oh, I think so. You should do it. That would be funny. I should. Who would Who yeah. would mount it? It's, maybe there's some uh, producer out there with some money that will uh, that will contact me. Uh, they can contact me at my email address, Ken at wfmu.org. Yes, thank you. That's my email address. So no, what else? What else can we? Uh, do you want to go over uh, any areas? Uh, that you covered uh, the last time we talked uh, again, or uh, new, new areas? Uh, well, I, 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 of course, you couldn't hardly hear me last time, and so I said, you know, Rodney Dangerfield versus George Carlin. I got a great response to it, and uh, of course, I was asking it kind of, you know, in, in, in light of Moliere's quote that says uh, that you have uh, comedy is supposed to uh, entertain in order to educate or. Uh, something like that. So, you know, so one, one of those kind of quotes, you know, and I, of course I was asking, I, I was going to ask which one was more valuable, but you wind up, you know, saying, you know, they're both of equal value, you think. Um, I thought it was interesting that you pointed out that, you know, you think Dangerfield's work was actually harder to do, you know, to perform on stage and stuff, you know, and, and well, I kind harder of, I, to write as well. I know I did say that, but then I was reminded that Carlin also was a really disciplined a joke writer uh, in his own right. Uh, but to me, uh, and I know Ken was saying how, how much Carlin influenced the, him as a kid. But I mean, to me, uh, if I had, if I had to take uh, an album, a comedy album to the desert, a desert Island, and there was, I had to choose between Carlin and Rodney Dangerfield, I'd, I would take Rodney uh, because a good solid old school, one liner, a, a zinger, that's really uh, well constructed, you know, perfectly constructed. Uh, that the kind that he used to do, I, I find it's like poetry. You know, I just, I just love thinking about those old, thinking about those old jokes and deconstructing them. Also, you know, somebody like George Carlin was really groundbreaking. But when you're going to dedicate so much of your persona and your act, you know, to in his case the counterculture, just you know the current zeitgeist at that time, then your stuff is just going to get dated, you know, really, really rapidly. Um, you know, and he's certainly not the mm-hmm. o- he's not the only '60s '70s comic who, you know, now sounds incredibly dated if you listen back to the material from that era. That's true. That's, that's true. The Rodney stuff is timeless stuff. You know, it's it, it'll be funny in, in 50 years because it's it's oh, it's just. Because it's so self-deprecating and and based on you know a lot of the the wife stuff and girlfriend stuff. But as a kid, as a little kid listening to those uh, George Carlin records like AMFM and Class Clown, um, you know I was only in sixth or seventh grade. It was like it was like revolutionary hearing those records. I mean, it we never would have reacted the same way to Don Rickles or Rodney Dangerfield at that age. It was really but you like, were reacting, Ken. You were reacting because he was breaking ground. He was, he was being, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was working without a net. You know, he was, 
uh, being very dangerous, right? Well, you know, he was talking about things that we just had never heard an adult talking about at all, you know? Well, exactly. But wouldn't, wouldn't you say that he was, wouldn't you say that, uh, uh, or maybe this is true of Lenny Bruce too, that they were, it was more exciting to listen to them than, 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 than they were funny. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's definitely truth to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were so, mm -hmm. they yeah. were so, they were so subversive and dangerous that that's where the buzz was. Oh, I can't believe he made that joke about the president. Right. Right. You know, that's, that's where the buzz was. But Rodney was just old school. So, you know, my girlfriend is, uh, is so fat, you know, my wife's cooking is so terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stuff you know, like that. You know, the, Aristophanes the, could have done that. You know, I mean, like you say, it's timeless. You know, the, the, you know those same jokes. Hopefully, will work. You know, in, in another thousand years. You know, just kind of. You know, you may alter one or two little things. You know, every ten minutes or something. But uh, but but, but Carlin, yeah. I, I but I do remember. Like I remember fifty, I can probably remember fifty great jokes of Rodney's, but 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 Carlin had a few also that were great, smart jokes. You know, a lot of a lot of his routines were just kind of they 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 were they were just long routines like like uh, where's my stuff? Where you put your stuff was a great eight minutes, but um, they weren't you, you, line for line. It wasn't they weren't jokes. You know, they were just observations, just playing with mm -hmm. words. But on the other hand, Carlin did say things like, uh, I often wonder how Native Americans practice their rain dancing, which I think is really a funny joke. Because <laughs> you can't practice it, it'll, it'll rain. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, I've noticed it, it, Python is kind of like that, too, isn't it? You know, it's, it's a lot of it's not just, you know, roll over, die and laughing, you know, but it's you know, the things, you know, that it kind of makes you think about, you know, it just, you know, brings up those things that you haven't thought about before, I suppose, you know. Uh, yeah, they yeah, were, I mean, you know, you can't, a lot of Python were great, it's great joke writing, but a lot of, to me, a lot of their appeal was just how subversive uh, the whole show as a whole was, you know, I can't believe they're doing it. It's very much like, it's so interesting to me when Steve Martin put his, the arrow on his head. Remember that? You guys remember that, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. I mean, to me, that was the most interesting, interesting routine. And I, th I think about it a lot because a man with an arrow on his head is not funny. But a grown man with an arrow on his head, a grown man that you paid $12 to, to buy a ticket to see putting an arrow on his head is so funny. Because yeah, because you know, I mean, because he's he's making fun of the whole format. Well, he's making fun of other comedians. Yeah, it's right. just it's just so funny. But on its own, the arrow is not funny at all. Out of you know, out of context. And um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but Rodney's material, anybody could do it. You could do Rodney jokes at a at a tomorrow at at the at a family gathering, and people would laugh. You don't need to know the context. You can say my wife's cooking is so terrible. Uh, the flies in the kitchen are cutting holes in the screen door to get out. You know, he's, mm -hmm. he used to make these mm -hmm. great, great jokes, great jokes. And um, mm -hmm. and 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 you, but you, I don't think you could do. You know, if you were going to do cheese shop by with by Monty Python, you'd have to set the whole stage for it. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. 
No, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, you know, that stuff, you know, you have to take it up to a couple of levels. You know, folks kind of have to understand the foundation and the background of it, you know, before, you know, before anything will click to be funny about it, you know, whereas they, well, you, you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Dangerfield uh, like on, on his own term. Now, you've mentioned Sanford and Son multiple times. That is a favorite of yours? Yes. Yes. I used to watch it with my granddad and grandma back uh, in the 70s when it was. You know, what kind, what kind of stuff, so you're you're teaching Baptist kids in Carolina. What <laughs> what kind of stuff do they enjoy watching? What's what are they what are they fans of? Uh, Rick and Morty, uh, Scythe Park, oh, okay. uh, the Boondocks, but mostly the newer stuff. They really don't seem to be able to understand the older stuff. Do that, you that like well. Do you like Rick and Morty, Andy? Have you seen Rick and Morty? Uh, I've seen. I guess I've seen a couple of episodes. They've seen. I mean, it wasn't for me. I guess. No, oh, it I really, for... I loved Rick and Morty. Uh, <coughs> it's that's, like plot. That's ki- that's kind of the uh, Back to the Future relationship, right? It's yeah. The doctor. And... Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. It, yeah. A lot of it, a lot of it was very clever, very meta. I get my kids love it. I, I'll give it another chance. I promise. Yeah, yeah. That's, the... that, you know, you... so it, they're it, not. It, they it, could. You know, they, do they watch old sitcoms? Do they enjoy? Uh, uh, Friends or The I, Office or old shows like that? Uh, I, I I haven't tried those yet. Um, I, I'd like to put some Seinfeld on them sometimes and see, you know, how well, you know, they take that. You know, what kind of reaction to that they have. Gen- um, Jennifer Aniston. I, I, Jennifer Aniston was just quoted as saying that she's noticed that uh, kids these days don't find Friends funny at all. Well, I guess it, I guess so much of the humor was relate was very frank. Uh, relationship humor that kids probably are afraid to laugh now. That could be. You know, that was back when they yeah, were, that was so. back when there were a lot of those a lot of it was you know back when there were two sexes and only two. <laughs> now there are yeah, now there are now. now there are fourteen. <laughs> and, and wow, you're up to that already. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness gracious, I'm gonna have to get out my pro nine book and add some more to yeah. it, I suppose. Oh, yeah, no, there were fourteen. Crazy. As of well, I haven't checked in a couple of weeks. There might be more by now. Yeah, it seems like there's, I got a little bit. Of... Do the kids in your school do they begin the first day of school of class by uh, announcing what their pronouns are? <laughs> I hope it doesn't come to that, but I've heard that at Duke that there's something kind of similar to that going on. Got a friend of mine who who researches out there, and he tells you about all the little memos they get about all this stuff and. And it's just mind blowing, you know, the way they have to label themselves and make sure that they follow everybody else's label. And it's just, it's, it's so political. And that, one thing, my, my university does try to stay away from that. I'm really glad they, they really try to stay in the middle the best way they can. It's the most moderate university that I can even think of at this point. Uh, it's not like Liberty or Bob Jones or any of that stuff, and it's not like Chapel Hill or Duke or any of that stuff. It's, it's really right in the middle, which is one reason I like it. A lot of reasons. Yeah, I, I would. Like I it, would. But that's one of the reasons. Well, yeah. I would be comfortable there too. It sounds like, but that's. I think we talked about this the other day. That's why I'm very comfortable uh, working with Ken at WFMU. Is is it's a safe space for me? I think it's a safe space for pretty much every DJ, uh, and. Uh, and I, I don't feel, uh, you know, I don't, I don't feel boxed in at all uh, ideologically there. Hey, well, that's why I think Ken is doing such a great job, and and you know, and I so appreciate what he does because you know WFMU is like that. You know, you, you it is a safe space for, 
you know, stranger things, I suppose. Uh, you know, it's, it's it, you know, the boundaries aren't set up for that. When you listen, you know that the boundaries aren't set up for that. And of course, it, it takes a lot of <laughs> takes a lot of doing to keep something like that going. And Ken, uh, can I, know, Ken, I, can I, Ken, can I ask you a question? Yeah, but we're almost out of time. What? I know this is the last question. Well, okay, so you know, you know me so pretty well. You know what I'm just the kind of crap that I just babble about uh-huh. when, I, when the microphone's on, right? Yep. Is there, is there any other station that you're aware of where I could feel as at home? On their in their on their station on their schedule. No. Is there, I, is there any other station in the world? Because you know a lot of a lot of a lot of nonprofit stations. You're you know you listen to a lot more than me. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so because you you make uh, rape jokes and child molestation <laughs> jokes and uh, everything yeah. everything under the sun. So I I don't I don't know of another station where you could uh, get away with doing that. But I only I only make those jokes because they're so damn funny. Right. Well, that's the thing. If they if they weren't so damn funny, I would I wouldn't ever. You wouldn't make them at all. No. I wouldn't make them at all. <laughs> well, no, no, uh, boy, no. I, we really thank you for for uh, this has been very provocative, and you've been you've been great, and and uh, and uh, we want to thank you for listening, and thank you. Now, are you are you recording this? Where your where your students hear this at any point? Uh, well, I guess Ken is going to send me um, the audio from this one too. Yep, I will. He, and then what, what will you do? What will you do with the audio of it? Well, I'm, I'm going to play it for my class, and or at least some oh. of it, you know. And we can probably get okay. to it. And um, and I'm going to try to make them listen the best way I can. Try to get them phones out of their hand, and uh, you know. And, are you even going to? Are you even going to let? Are you even going to let that weird student hear it? The one you talked about when we were off the air, that really weird one that you hate. Are you going to let him uh, listen as well? He did. The one that, well, he's, he, the one that always sits in the back he, of the class? He, he's pretty uh, – uh, um, I, I know what he's going to do, so I can just kind of pick a day that he's not going to be there. He usually doesn't come on Fridays. Or, uh, okay. Actually, I think he's on – he might be on the lacrosse team. I can just wait till they, you know, have a game and, uh, you know, play it then, and everything ought to be all right, I suppose. Yeah. He, he won't uh, I don't have, know. He, Wait, are, are you are you really are you really talking about a real kid? Because I because I, I I wasn't. Well, Andy, Andy and Noel, Andy and Noel, I have to uh, end it here because I have to get out of the studio. Somebody else is waiting to use okay. it. Thank so. you, Noel. We'll talk again. Thanks, soon. Noel. Thanks, Andy. Thank, thank y'all so much. Y'all have a good one. Okay. Bye bye. Did you hear how listener Noel turned the tables on Andy right at the very end there? Uh, that was listener Noel Mitchell from uh, Murfreesboro, North Carolina, uh, interviewing us for his uh, satire class, perhaps. I'm not sure exactly, but it seemed like he was teaching either uh, satire or uh, some form of screenwriting. Uh, this is week four of six of Seven Second Delay fans interviewing Andy Breckmanman and myself while Andy is in Toronto for the photography 
uh, process of the new Monk movie, which is going to be on Peacock, provided that Andy doesn't get canceled before its release date and drag down the entire project. Uh, we have another listener interview up for you. This is Zachary Bale, father of uh, sometimes caller Hieronymus, who is the kid last year during the marathon who uh, proposed a poo-poo snakehead tattoo. And uh, Zach also covers uh, somewhat similar ground uh, as, as uh, Noel was discussing in the last interview in terms of talking about uh, 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 disagreements and uh, language and free speech, etc. So here is Zachary Bale. We have uh, Zach Beal. Is that right? Bale. Bale. Yeah. Zach Bale. I, ble- I believe it's pronounced Beal. I'll have to go with Andy. It's Beal. I'm Zach Beal now. Okay. Yeah, Zach Beal. Yeah, recording in it. progress. All right. So I've started recording. And uh, Zach, this is your interview. So you take it away. Yeah. Well, I mean, longtime listener of the show, despite everything. So yeah, you're almost a regular caller, right? You've called, you've been on the air many times, I think. Oh, yeah. 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 It doesn't always ring true on every topic, but yeah, we, we try to call in. Sometimes the family even participates. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right, so uh, why don't you start your interview? Um, tell us what you know. Uh, you know, Ken, I participate a lot more than Zach, uh-huh. and I never, I never get thanked by you. You never acknowledge me. Well, you're a host. I drive in every week. Now here you are fawning over Zach because he picks up the phone every five weeks. Well, he's a regular caller. He, we don't have. I'm just saying, I'm a little. I'm just saying, I'm a little hurt. I'm, I'm, I'm there every week in person. I don't yeah. know about every week. And this is kind of a great segue because that's what I want to talk about, uh, divergent opinions and, and differences in general, yeah. but between you and, and Ken, Andy. Um, and so, uh, go ahead. You know, I get. I guess I could agree with Ken all the time. I guess I, I could if I wanted to, but then I'd be wrong half the time. Yeah, and that, who wants to be wrong half the time? Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the fact that uh, Andy and I disagree on so many things and uh, that there's this uh, tension uh, between us on the air. I hate radio pairs. I, I hate it on the radio when there's two people who are really, really similar and just kind of agreeing with each other on everything. Um, I, I do my best to avoid that kind of Uh, collaboration on the air on FMU and I I really dislike it on other radio programs but you hear it all the time Um, I think the best kind of radio duos are ones where they're extremely different and there's all this tension between them Mm -hmm. yeah I think that that definitely adds to it to the show's enjoyment factor I wasn't I wasn't listening what did what did Ken say Ken said he likes the tension Andy uh-huh. I like the difference. Yeah. But I like the the chasm, the the huge gaping chasm between us, between our sensibilities. I knew it was a chasm. This is the first time I'm hearing that it's a gaping chasm. Yeah, uh, it, it's hey, separate from Dead Air Gulch, by the way. Not the same thing. Hey Zach, are you yeah. familiar with? Are you familiar with the Robert Frost poem? Uh, it's called "The Most of It" by Robert Frost. No, but I, it's one search away. Oh, my gosh. Well, Robert Frost, he says, 
he says what he's talking about. He's at a he's in front of a cavern. He's in front of a a large cliff, and he's talking about his own echo. And he's saying what people don't want. No one wants their own love back in copy speech. I'm paraphrasing now. What they want is counter love, original response. That's that's the Robert Frost phrase, counter love. And I that's, that. I think, I do too. And that's maybe what, on our best days, Ken and I achieve, counter love. I Indeed. like that too. Huh. I and like that, that too. And that love, you know, that I was going to open with a question, you know, all the foreplay kind of has those tense moments when you kick off the show. And so I, I was curious, obviously that plays into your relationship with each other. What about off air? You know, there's some, you allude to some, you know, the phone calls or you coming up with the idea short or changing it at the last minute. But is there a different tension or interaction ahead of the show, off the air? I think, I think we're pretty much, I mean, what I pride, if I could answer, what I pride myself on, well, I say one thing I'm proudest of is that the show is very honest, painfully honest, and we're very transparent. We're not we're not posing. We're not ado adopting, uh, uh, you know, a, a pose or uh, a character. Uh, we are who we are, and our 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 interaction off air is pretty much the same. It feels like it feels like the same, doesn't it, Ken? Yeah, it does. And in fact, there have been many times when I've sworn to myself that I was going to start recording uh, off air recording all of our. Um, show planning conversations and then that would just give me material for a lot of shows and i actually did that i have recorded a bunch of our conversations and the other day i was listening to my phone my phone's uh music on shuffle and randomly up popped one of our conversations um when i wasn't even expecting it and it really was just like a regular show i know i give him i give ken and i apologize you know Ken, if, if i've never apologized i'll do it now but i give ken a hard time on the air but i believe i tease him and lovingly mock him off the air as well it's just the language we speak it really is like an old married couple by this time are you zach are you a, a married man uh i'm not married i didn't fall for that trip but I, i'm in a committed relationship yeah we've been together for 21 years now oh that is oh that's yeah. well that's you know what you're so, a married man you're yeah married well man. for all intents answer, and purposes yeah your your answer is yes yes but okay and wouldn't you agree that the, that the teasing that goes on in your house is just another way of saying i love you isn't that wouldn't you agree that's true oh tremendously yeah we have two young kids and so yeah between the whole you know whether it's the kids and i or you know with each other and and yeah no exactly you're spot on that's that's one way to show it yeah that's just the language that that married people speak and and ken and i have i think over the years uh, evolved into that you know ken ken gives me a hard time as well he's you know uh, he gives as good as he gets and uh it just it just to me all i hear i filter it through my head and all I hear is Ken saying, I love you, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> we we did a show. We did a show, I think, our second or third year uh, of doing the show. We did a show with a marriage counselor and uh, or, you know, a marriage therapist. And I'll never forget that he pointed out really early on, like 10 minutes into the show, he pointed out that th that our dynamic was really interesting because we were both dominant in different ways. I was your boss. 
but then maybe in terms of the comedy and the banter, you were dominant. Um, and I always, yeah. and I've, I've always noticed that ever since that, yeah, the, the upper hand just keeps getting passed back and forth. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It is, it is a, it is a unique, but a fun, uh, dynamic. Who would you say, Zach, in your household, who would you say, uh, is the stronger personality? Um, I, I think it just depends on context. I mean, I'm, I'm the more extroverted one. And so sometimes by default, that might be me in those regards. But yeah, it, it just really depends on the moment. The kids are really stepping it up. That's I'm so proud of them. Well, how, old, how, how old are they? Uh, seven and five. Oh, soon to be yeah. eight and six. So it's going to be, it's, it's go be hell. It'll, it'll very soon be hell for you. Well, I think that's around the age that Andy strapped one of his daughters to, the, uh, to her dining room chair. To prevent, yeah, to she, pre prevent. She, kept, she kept getting up and, and running around during dinner. Right. No, ju no jury in the world would convict me of that. No, no, that's we all suffer from that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's kind of but, the same yeah. joy in that regard with with your your younger son when you were starting. Out, I remember you sharing the early jokes he had on air. Uh, oh yeah, that come in. Oh, that's right. Yeah. No, I love. I love. Uh, I have five kids and. Uh, the, my older three have no interest at all in show business, which I was always very proud of. I always I always bragged about that. But they're also but my, they're, they're still very funny. Yes, it's a very funny family. We have a great time at, when we gather together. Um, however, my uh, my youngest two kids uh, may, uh, have uh, have expressed interest in going into the business, and it's heartbreaking to hear because I know. <laughs> Because I know firsthand <laughs> what that means. I know. Yeah. I know. I know how, what a tough and thankless uh, uh, road that is. Well, and kind of to that point, Andy. One of the questions I was thinking about, since you kind of have to straddle an above-ground celebrity and an underground celebrity with WFMU, how, how do you do that so successfully? Oh, I'm not a celebrity. I'm not even close. I'm not even close to being a celebrity. I. You You're know, on Wikipedia, exist, Andy. That's oh, that oh, what does that mean? But I'm, I I exist on the periphery of show business. I could see show business if I stand on my tippy toes. I could see show business from where I stand. But but I love not being, I love uh, not being in show business. You know, I occasionally will cross paths with with people that are well known. But uh, oh my God, you know, I don't have I don't have awards in my house or 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 posters in my house or anything. I just, uh, you know, I just want to live off, off the grid as far as show business goes. I can't even look at, I'm embarrassed about my profession to tell you the truth. I can't look at award shows. It's just, it's just embarrassing show people. You know, I get that attitude. I inherited that attitude from David Letterman because that was my first real grown up mm -hmm. job. And David Letterman in many ways, you know, my dad died. I was I was a teenager. You know, and Letterman became, in many ways, a, he kind of fulfilled that role for me. He didn't know it. I never discussed it with him. But he was kind of a father figure to me. You know, I kind of admired him that much. And uh, the way I I become a father figure to uh, Ken. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and so I sort of inherited David Letterman's skepticism about show business, you know, about entertainers. 
he used to just sit like after, like before the show and after the show. He would just sit and grumble about show people. <laughs> you know, the, just the divas uh, that came in and out of that that uh, that studio. When I when I started at the David Letterman show, I was in my twenties, and I uh, when I began there, I wanted to be famous. I was a performer, mm-hmm. and uh, and that was my dream to become as famous as any any of these celebrities that I admired. But very quickly, as I met them, you know, because they came parading through every day, came uh, came in, into the studio to do the show. God, within months, I realized how unhappy they all were, almost without exception, and desperate, you know, and, and uh, insecure. And uh, n- none of them were content. None of them were enjoying their lives, as far as I could tell. And, uh, and it cured me. It was almost like a methadone program. I got I got cured, and the so, you know and after that the last thing I wanted was was uh, the spotlight, and that's why WFMU was a perfect fit for me. I was gonna say I mean is, do you is that why you enjoy maybe more of the WFMU celebrity aspect? Oh my God, I, it's so important to me. It's so important to me because I get to vent, I get to be a little bit outrageous, I get to scratch that itch. Uh, but the stakes are so low; nobody's listening. I mean, can. <laughs> You know, Canada's management style has seen to that. He's made sure that nobody is listening. We're completely, (laughs) we're completely off the grid. And uh, I don't think, Ken, let me ask you this, if I may, if I could hijack this interview. Ken, has any DJ ever gotten in trouble in the real world, in the real show business Twitter universe for something they said on WFNU? No. Yeah, excellent. No, that is a that is a safe space. That is perfect. Excellent point. Well done, Ken. Yeah. Well done. Ken works very hard. It's not easy to have a station fail that. Well, that, I mean, you know, um, you know, I have to, I have to discount anybody who got in trouble with WFMU, so that doesn't count. So the no, question, no, no, I'm saying, has yeah. anyone ever is in the real has the real world ever called anyone to account? For something they said on FMU. Well, they've tried. I mean, but the problem is when the real world calls to complain to WFMU, do you know who answers the phone? Yeah. I guess you do. I do. So, and so how do you wait? How do you deflect their concerns? You listen. I listen to them. I tell them I understand where they're coming from. I tell them I hear oh them. My God. I tell oh them my that God. I, I tell them that I'm going to look into it and get back to them. I'm so ashamed of you. And then, oh, and then you, then you do nothing. Well, then, if there is something to investigate, I might investigate and then get back to them. And 99% of the time, they're so grateful that somebody paid attention to what they had to say at all. I can tell you, you know, like an example is one time uh, I put together the WFMU windsurfing regatta. Uh, we actually entered a little team, a little windsurfing squad, five of us. Uh, for a race across New York Harbor uh, from Jersey City to the uh, uh, Statue of Liberty to Battery Park and back. And uh, I was joking after it was all over uh, that we had taken the WFMU mascot, which was a pig, and had strapped it to to one of the uh, boards to take it with us. And then due to high tides and uh, bad weather and heavy wind that the pig got carried out to sea. Uh, which was only slightly different than what really happened. It, it happened with one member of our squad, not a pig. 
But uh, of course, PETA heard this and PETA was outraged that we were abusing pigs and that we were strapping pigs to surfboards and just sending them out into the ocean. <laughs> uh, well, I got that call. I got the call from PETA. And, the, and things like that have happened many times. And was PETA appeased that it was not a pig, but a human uh, volunteer? That, that appeased them? Yes, that appeased them. I explained to them that, yeah. it, that, in fact, it was listener Scott who got blown out to sea and rescued by the Coast Guard, but there was no pig on board. And then they were yeah, cool. as, as long as as long as it was a white male, we're going to be okay. Yeah. Hey, can I ask you something, Zach? Are, are you are we are we recording this for a podcast or for your own amusement, or what what are we doing right now? The family amusement. Oh, okay. Do you want to, uh, Zach? Do you want to take a minute and, and do a shout out to any member of your family? Oh, just yeah. Hello, Hieronymus, Emmeline, and Anne. Oh, okay. Oh, That's hero. So oh, you're yeah. you're hero's dad. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, Hero's a regular caller, too. Yeah, he tries to call in. Yeah. He gave uh, the poo-poo snakehead. Right. Too. He's a great caller. Oh, my God. that's the You tell you tell Hero that uh, that's the tattoo I was hoping for. The poo-poo snakehead. Honestly, yeah. we were debating whether or not to do a really big donation. It was it was tempting. Oh, wow. Oh, to wow. bump it up. But it was like, ah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was... But you decided against it. We should do a whole show, Ken, in how people decided against making a big donation. <laughs> we, I want to hear their stories. I would like to hear those, too. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. The how money's close. still coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll spread it I out over hear, more years. I just want to hear how close people came. Yeah. Various listeners came to donating <laughs> a lot of money. That would be an amazing show. Yeah. And what made them change their mind? <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Wait. I'm going to write that down. Why didn't you? Wait, why didn't you donate? That's a great idea. Now, Ken, for you, <laughs> Andy touched on it a little bit, but really, I mean, you, you, you at least appear to the listeners very comfortable with who you are, what you do, how you do it, and obviously, we learned some about that through Andy's interview of you, that show. Uh huh. But really, how, how do you achieve that state of zen on the air? And it seems like off the air too. Oh, yeah. it's not yeah, a show. <laughs> yeah, Ken. Yeah, Ken, tell us how you achieve the state of Zen on and off the air. That's we really, all want to know. That's really funny yeah. that it seems that I've achieved a state of Zen because nothing could yeah. be nothing could be further from the truth. No, I'm a bubbling yeah. a bubbling cauldron of anxiety, like many of our listeners. But on the air, you make it work so well, though, in that regard. Like, I, obviously, we know you're anxious. We know you have anxiety. You're very open and forthright with that. I just well, mean Zen, like you're in the moment. You're, well, maybe, you're very... yeah, maybe it's like um, it's. I think there's a lot of a, Ken keeps a lot of uh, Zen in his office uh, drawer, in his desk <laughs> drawer that he sometimes gets into. Well, it's also like uh, they say about people with Tourette syndrome, uh, or or even people with Alzheimer's, like Glenn Campbell. Um, like Glenn Campbell could barely function, but give put a guitar in his hand. And the song lyrics in front of him, and he was perfect. Uh, and a lot of times, people with Tourette's, uh, when they're performing, when they're when they're doing public speaking, or when they're on TV or radio, you know, their tics just kind of disappear. And it's it kind of similar with me. I think when I'm on the air, my anxiety is being channeled into being on the air. You know, toward the end of Glenn Campbell's life, for a very brief period, I convinced him that I was Glenn Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> and I sang Wichita Lineman for him. And he said, oh, man, that's beautiful. Man. You're going to have a big hit with that. Uh, did you see that? It was, it, was, it was surreal. 
you could have changed the lyrics. You could have put the Chevy in the levee uh, yeah, into Wichita right. lineman, too. That's right. He had the sad kind of dementia. My mother had the funny kind of dementia. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, there's two kinds of dementia. Yeah, Glenn Campbell definitely just, did have the sad kind. Yeah, I pray to God when I get dementia, it's the funny kind of dementia. Oh, my God, our shows will be amazing. Ken, if you could get dementia at the same time I do. It's it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, it's Don't coming. worry. I can't wait. They'll be off the charts funny shows. Since you're bringing up family a little bit, and we know everyone takes everything as, as a sacred cow these days, you have any advice for people to navigate, especially in light of the, the Cedar episode on yesterday? Or the Seder, sorry, um, episode? What, in terms of getting, getting people Wait, to lighten we, up, you mean? Did, well, we get in did we get in trouble yesterday? No. No, you are just talking about families and tensions, and you are making jokes, Andy, about you know people having to see people and listen. and Those are tense oh, moments yeah. for some people when families obviously get together, and everyone's yeah. taking things way too seriously. My days. advice to people, My advice to people is avoid your own family. Just don't <laughs> do it. It's that easy. I'm I'm actually very aggressive about changing the subject, and I will come right out and say, let's not talk about this subject anymore. You know, I'm I'm tired about talking well, about. But then, but doesn't, but then it becomes, then it becomes just in the room. It just becomes a, a, the elephant in the room that that there's a subject, there's a third rail suddenly. You know that that no one could could mention. I don't know. I've I've always I've had success with it. I've I've announced that I'm really. Sick. But is it? Sick but isn't there topic? tension then? But isn't there tension in the room when there's a topic that you have put off limits? Yeah, but it dissipates after just a couple of minutes. You you have to work hard. You you can't then go silent. You can't say like, let's not talk about everybody's illnesses anymore, or let's not talk about politics okay. anymore. So you want to say let's not let's not talk about Trump anymore. Let's play Pictionary. That's what you do. You just try to change the stuff. Never Pictionary. No, Pictionary yeah. will go right back to Trump, usually within about three or four minutes. Why don't you do what I do if, if a touchy subject is raised? What's that? I just scream the word wrong as loud as I can. <laughs> wrong! Or I could do what... It startles everyone. I could do what Iggy Pop famously did when John Sinclair demanded that he get onto the political program with him. He just started doing somersaults. Didn't say a word, just started doing oh sum somersaults all That's over fantastic. the room. You know what I you know what I do uh, when a, a difficult subject comes up? I just start masturbating. <laughs> and everyone then immediately focuses on the masturbating. Yeah, well, that's like a good trick because I'm slightly claustrophobic, and if I'm ever like in a really tight crowd, I'll just start saying, yeah. "Excuse me, I'm going to be sick." Excuse me, I'm going to be sick, and the yes. the, the, the 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 C just parts. It's amazing. I say, "Excuse me, I'm going to masturbate." And the C part's even faster. Yeah. Well, I bet it does. <laughs> Go ahead. Thanks, Zach. And, and, and I just want to say hello to your. I'm going to shout out to your beautiful family. And uh, can you name Zach, one of? Can you name any one of any one members of his uh, beautiful family? Well, Mrs. I know Mrs. Zach, Mrs. Zachary, and his three children. There's Hieronymus, also known as Hero. Hieronymus, yep. Hieronymus, Cain, and Abel. Mm -hmm. And uh, and now Zach, Zach, I can only imagine. What do you not do for a living? What what? How could you carve out a half hour so easily today? I I work in uh, technology. I work with a lot of different software companies doing different things 
for okay. backend database customer relations. And you work out of your home, obviously. Is that yep. right? Yeah, I just put it okay. on my calendar. I'm not. I'm unavailable at this time. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm embarrassing myself publicly with Ken and Andy. Oh, well, you're very flexible. Ken's got the one. He's pulling in the hard hours all the time at WFMU. Yeah, he has. He's much busier, much busier than me. I'll say you uh, you you have that writing apartment that you don't write in very much, right? With your word I star. Do. And... I do. I'm, yeah, with my word star. I'm trying to figure out how to retire and how to enjoy my downtime. And I'm not good at that. I don't want to work and I don't want to not work. Well, you're... But I'll be dead. I'll be dead soon. It'll be fine. I'll be. It'll be over soon. Yeah, hang in there, buddy. You can yeah. make it. All right, we have to go. Thank you, Zach. Yeah, thanks, Ken. Thanks, okay. Andy. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Take guys. care. Bye bye. Bye now. Bye. That was listener Zach Bale interviewing Andy and myself in part four of a six-part series while Andy is working in Toronto on the Monk movie of Seven Second Delay listeners interviewing Andy and myself. So we have two more weeks coming up, and then Andy shall be back three weeks from tonight, hopefully. You may have noticed that we've ended a little early. So I thought I'd play a video for you that a whole bunch of listeners uh, emailed me about. Um, speaking of Chevy at the levee, uh, the president of South Korea sang American Pie, I don't know, a week or two ago um, at a dinner with, uh, with Joe Biden. Let's see if we can uh, turn that off and turn American Pie on. And the thing about the South Korean president is that he sings it better than Don McLean. Let's listen. It was one of my favorite songs. Well, we wanted to hear you sing it. <laughs> it's been a while, but... A long, long time ago, <laughs> I can still remember how that music used to make me smile. <laughs> and now I knew if I had my chains, that I could make those people dance, and maybe they'd be happy for a while. A February made me shiver With the paper I deliver Bad news on the doorstep I couldn't take one more step I can't remember if I tried when I Read about his widow bride Something touched me deep inside The day the music died <laughs>
Yes, the president of South Korea singing the song that Andy Breckman himself uh, partially wrote, American Pie. Andy wrote the Chevy at the levee part, although he never got credit for it. Hey, guess what? Dwayne is guest hosting Weekly World Blues tonight right here on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. Thanks for listening. Next week, another two-listener interview episode tonight on 7 Seconds of Life. Stay tuned for Weekly World Blues Now, guest hosted by Dwayne. Feeling bad.
trouble. And why, man, I just can't see. I promised uh, Matt Fivash I would play some deep down in the Delta Blues to fill in. This is the Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Train, Dwayne, formerly host of the Dwayne Train, filling in till 8 o'clock and uh, very, very happy to be here, uh, you know, playing the blues. I don't know what the blues, I guess blues, gospel, jazz, soul, art, like all of it. It's all good. It's all black. It's all love. Thank you for tuning in.